All right, welcome back to the Shuttlecock Podcast. My name is Aaron Rhodes, and the podcast is sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven. That's located at 76th and Troost. Today on the show, we have Anna Selly. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Awesome. Um, so, yeah, when when did you just... What what were your first musical experiences like? What what was your first favorite band? Oh wow! Tell me everything. Yeah, um, I like have this really strong memory of going to see. They did like um, before this was even like a cool thing to do. They did like a a video concert of like In Sync when I was I think in like second grade. Mm. That I remember going to at like Union Station down here. Um, I was like pretty into NSYNC for a good like six months of my life when you're seven, six months of your life feels like an eternity. So, um, yeah, that was like the first band that I was really like really into. I, my parents were really into pop music and would play like Shania Twain and, um, you know, that kind of stuff and some older pop music. And yeah, if, if we're going way, way, way back, mm. that's, that was when I started getting into to music. Mm. And so that was just kind of like a concert film you went to see. And yeah, it was like one of those, they just like recorded a insane concert, which they do now a lot. Mm. Um, but at the time it was like a huge deal and it felt like it was like the real thing, like to be at a, at a concert. But instead of, you know, like paying 70, $80 for like an insane concert ticket, it was like a $12 movie, you know? Mm. So my parents took me to that. Cause also who wants to take a seven year old to like an insane concert? Yeah. That's, I don't think it's not as like, I think, the, easy, I think the kid is just as excited and the parent is way less stressed <laughs> out. So it's, yeah. a, it's probably a good trade off. It was a good happy medium for yeah. that. Yeah. And I, I remember, I think I'm pretty sure it was sync and not Backstreet Boys. I'm pretty like, uh, Another guest I'd had on Stephanie from the Natural Man Band. She was, mm-hmm. I think, she was also very in sync. And I brought yeah. up that like I might have liked a couple Backstreet Boys songs, and that was a bad decision I made. Oh, <laughs> I I have no allegiance to like any boy band. So no. I, I mean, they're all they're all making not not ready to fight anyone over. That's, not no, that's, not that's over in sync. I'm ready to. I could fight someone, but like not over in sync versus Backstreet Boys. What's what music is worth fighting over? Oh, I I don't know that any music is really worth fighting over unless someone's just being like a total dick about it. Mm. But now I oh, it sounded like you were you were you were, no. okay okay yeah. You're not gonna step up to the plate for uh, Saint Vincent. You you want you oh, want to fight yeah. someone over Saint Vincent? I, w- I would maybe fight someone for Saint Vincent, That's but good. it would have to be if they like made a comment that was like really inappropriate. If someone was like, I don't like Saint Vincent. That's your that's your musical taste. That's fine. But if someone made a comment that was like sexist or homophobic or something like that, I would like, I'd come to bat for. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's respectable. Right. All right. Yeah. I think, I think anyone can agree with that. No. Yeah. So after, after you're, you're into sync and everything, what, what, like, did, like what bands and like artists do you think you really like started to discover on your own and like, mm-hmm. Like, you know. Right. So how did I get from like NSYNC to like St. Vincent? Yeah. Basically the question there. Um, yeah. I I think uh, a band that I remember finding and really like holding as my own was like The Killers in, I guess that would have been like 2005, 2006 when Mr. Brightside came out. Mm. I was in, I think like fifth or sixth grade at that time. And it felt really cool to, like, know a band that not everyone else knew, which is, like, the most pretentious, like, music nerd thing to say. And at the time, like, they were playing on, like, MTV and stuff like that. Like, they were starting to get some notoriety um, for Mr. Brightside, you know, like, the song of a generation. Um, But 
like most of the people that I went to school with didn't know them. Like my older brother who knew all the cool music didn't know them. So it felt like that was like my cool hit band that I was into. And they only had one record out at the time and hadn't hit the, you know, mark of success that they're at now with what their most recent that just came out was like wonderful, wonderful. Is that what it's called? I'm not sure. Okay. Something like that. I fell off the killer's bandwagon a little bit Mm. recently, but Oh yeah. I think, uh, like, being like a kind of pretentious almost like when you're in like middle school high school like I think anyone who's like super into music and like works in music in any form like that's probably like three-fourths of that demographic was like like that at one point yeah (laughs) and not necessarily even about like the same kind of music just about like something in general that they really liked Mm -hmm. um I have a lot of friends that are like really into emo music from like that like like 2005 to like 2010 ish era and can like name so many bands that I've never heard of. Hmm. Um, and the same thing with like hip hop. I know a lot of people who are like really, really into hip hop and you know, we're like rattling off chance, their rapper lyrics in like 2012 hmm. way before anyone like had really hit the mainstream with chance, their rappers music. So yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, I think that's the mark of someone in the industry for sure. Hmm. And like the killers also even like, like they might not be like the biggest band right now, but like even if you're not a fan of them, like they they certainly have had like a big influence on like a lo- at least a lot of stuff that's on like indie radio right now too. For sure, so. yeah, and they've had like a like a longevity of career as well. Mm. Like I think those are two ways to like two metrics of success for a band are like immediate fame or like in the moment like exactly how how well known and popular they are now but then also like how long they've been doing it and how how long they've been able to sustain a certain level of success so they've like sustained success for a pretty long time Hmm. for a band of that nature um and they just keep writing and recording so that's kind of cool and so at what point do you become interested in photography um, around, around the same age that I got into sync, hmm. actually, uh, my mom's like a photography teacher. So when I was like seven or six or seven, she bought me like a little point and shoot film camera for my birthday once and really started like being interested in the idea of like capturing images and, um, the different, different ways that images could like look and feel and how you could use that medium to both just like record reality but also to record like your own vision of the world um which i i would not have expressed as eloquently at seven years old but like had those general like inclinations of like hey this is cool that i can take a picture of like my dad in the kitchen cooking but i can also um take a picture of this like beautiful place that I'm at with my family on this like, you know, road trip through Missouri or whatever, and try to capture something that feels like really, really unique and beautiful to that moment in time. Is that, is that kind of like concept in like that you have about photography? Is that something that you kind of were able to feel at that point or like is that just a looking back thing yeah I think that like I felt that but again like not not to have been able to express it in Mm. that in that way but like that it was fun to then you know my parents would take the film and get it developed and it was fun to look back and see these pictures of like oh I've captured this really fun moment in time and I have this memory Mm. now that's like a tangible physical image Um, but then also to feel like oh this is really cool that with this camera I was able to make this thing that I think looks cool. Mm. Um, yeah. When I was like seven, seven or eight. 
Yeah, so, like, e- even if you didn't really, like, realize it at the time, you were kind of grasping, like, the differences between, like, art photography or and, like, doc- documentary. Yeah, totally. and like so Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I think, you know, everyone has their own, probably, like, their own kind of medium in between the two. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know, I feel like I kind of fall more on, like, the documentary side. But, mm-hmm. like, there are definitely still moments where I'm like, oh, this is, like, I love the composition of this. I love, mm-hmm. like like you know a bunch of different elements of a photo so yeah totally yeah i know what you mean and i i think um i think that's very true that very few photographers are strictly um documentarians and very few are strictly art photographers Mm. and that even when you know even if you're documenting something um those images that become like really well known and prevalent um from like that side of photography like the the journalist side um speak to us in a way that feels very emotional in the way that like we react to art as well um and then on the like art side of photography very very few photographers i i've read about or know of are creating images um just for the sake of like the aesthetic of it most yeah. are like telling a story there as well mm. mm-hmm. it, it, would you say there was one side that you kind of like aired towards like it, at least like early on before you could kind of think yeah. about it oh definitely like that documentarian side of things. Cause mm. I think that's like a very comfortable, um, way to go with photography because mm. we see it so much, you know, you're like really exposed to that kind of photography. And maybe there's like a little less pressure too. like, yeah, it feels mm. like you're just capturing things instinct, like instinctually. Mm. Um, but then, you know, when you start to like feel more comfortable, more convenient too, um, and the different ways that you can use a camera to manipulate what reality looks like, then you can start to like develop more of these ideas of like what is art with photography, um, where are those lines falling, that mm. sort of thing. And so, I, I, I'm guessing since you're, you said your mom was like a, an art teacher, mm-hmm. photo yeah. teacher, yeah, yeah. like you're, I'm guessing you were signed up for all those classes and stuff, like yeah. high school and everything. Yeah, we only had like two photography classes in my high school. It was just like beginning or advanced. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was, I was in her photo classes, which was like a lot of fun. Um, I actually like really liked having my mom as a teacher. Mm. Um, she was very, very loved photography teacher at my high school when I was when I was there. What what area were you in? Like what school were you? Going oh, to? Uh, Sion. It's like a Catholic school out south, mm. which is funny. Like neither of us are like Catholic. My family's not Catholic, but my mom taught there, so it was uh, made the most sense to like go to the school where your mom teaches mm. for you know like rides and money and that sort of thing too. Well, was that kind of a strange experience and? Um, a little bit. I, looking back on it now, I think more so being like at the time a very like closeted gay teenage girl in like a school full of other teenage girls, like everyone talking about boys and, um, they're not being boys at the school, but like, that was what a lot of my friends were like, I mean, a lot of like the drama or anything like that, that was going on or people were like dating boys obviously in high school so like kind of like participating in that but like not really feeling like that was like who I was it was kind of like a weird experience and then also it being like a catholic school obviously like there were some people that had very different opinions about um like gay marriage than I did and um yeah so looking back on it I think I understand a little bit more now how I like didn't necessarily feel like the most comfortable there at the time um but I think that school environment has become like a lot more open and accepting to, to that like kind of student, which is really cool. Um, yeah. At the time, like no one was like out at my high school. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think there's maybe one girl who was like out 
and the entire like what 450 girls that I went to school with. Mm. So it was a, yeah, a weird environment to like be kind of like starting to process that, um, part of myself, you know, mm. cause that's about the age when people start to like really understand that side of themselves is like high school to college into like early adulthood. Yeah. Sorry, I got to oh, adjust there now. But um, is your mom still a teacher there? Uh, she works in um, the administration there now, actually, mm. yeah, and teaches some classes. So. Oh, yeah, do, do you ever, like, like check in with her, like, and, and kind of gauge, like, yeah, where the school totally. is at, like, socially? and? Yeah, mm. absolutely, and that's, like, been something that's really important to her as well because, you know, she's some she's the mother of, like, you know, of me who... Mm. Um, and I've, I've talked to her about that as well too. Like this was my experience and it's not anything that like the school was perpetuating obviously, but like when you get that many like-minded teenage girls in one place or not like-minded teenage girls in one place, there's like bound to be things said or opinions expressed that can like, aren't necessarily, you know, part of like classroom discussion, just like things in the lunchroom or in the hallway that you overhear that like, you know, don't necessarily make you feel great about being little queer teenager um and uh yeah this went down like a kind of weird path of a conversation that i like don't normally talk about but uh sorry no no no, it's totally fine it's just like thinking through like how to express these things in a way that like feels uh really representative of like that experience i don't normally like talk about them gotcha but we can can stop now oh yeah getting to talk about things and like yeah, get into go off on topics. so many different little. Um, I don't know what word that's supposed tangents? to be. Tangents. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There we go. Cool. And that's why it's not just me talking because that would be terrible, <laughs> and I would just forget every word that I wanted to say. Uh, but yeah. So, what were um, some of the first places that you got your photos like uh, published, or like oh, yeah. any like people or companies you worked with? Yeah. So. Um in high school, I mostly just, like, shot for myself, took pictures of, like, me and my friends, you know, kind of, like, the the typical, like, getting used mm. to using a camera. And, Going out to the park. Yeah, or, yeah, exactly. Like, that kind of fun stuff. And I remember taking pictures, actually, of um, one of my best friends and her boyfriend at the time, um, just, like, some fun, cute couple photos. And then, like, this time last year, I was taking, like, engagement photos for them. Mm. So it was kind of fun to, like, get to look back at those, like, first couple photos that I took of them and then see these other, like, photos that I've taken now is like a kind of somewhat professional photographer and see the difference between like who they were as kids and now like who they are as adults about to get married. And, um, yeah, that was really, that was a really cool thing to see. Cause like a lot of the like joy and love in their relationship was still there. And you could like see that in the photos, which was really cute. Cause like, I don't know, they're like adults now mm-hmm. and they still like retain a lot of that same, like really sweet and like caring, attitude that they had when they were like 16 Mm. and in love, you know? So, um, a lot of that kind of stuff. And then a lot of, uh, eventually in college, I like would shoot, um, plays, uh, a couple times for like students, um, like on their preview night so that they would have like press images and things like that from their shows. And that kind of led me into like shooting photography for, um, the record machine, which is a local label in Kansas city. Mm. Um, so I did an internship with them that mostly included doing like a lot of photography work at shows of bands, that sort of thing. And from there met, um, Nick and Savannah Howland who run playlist play. Um, and that was where I first kind of really started like regularly shooting shows Mm. was working with them. Um, 
And then kind of simultaneously to that, I met my girlfriend, uh, Rachel Mallon, who's a musician here in Kansas City, um, and would shoot a lot of her shows for the same kind of reason of like documenting this thing that she was doing and um, helping her out with like getting more press images um, and, you know, things for their social media and that kind of stuff. Um, so it all kind of lined up to getting more experience, feeling more comfortable behind the camera and these like weird low light settings at like, you know, the riot room or wherever else um, those shows were happening. And yeah, and that led me to working with Playlist Play. And that's kind of where a lot of my photography has been published at this point. Mm. And uh, yeah, what, what, so yeah, so how, how long ago were you at the record machine and just kind of starting shooting shows? Yeah, that was like, a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, so it would have been like when I was fresh out of college. Mm. Um, cause I was kind of like interning with them for a summer. I was starting a job in like August and I knew I had like all this free time over the summer and wanted to, to do something like really productive with that. Um, and I, I met them through middle of the map cause I'd volunteered there. Um, like right before I graduated. So that was a couple of years ago and I'm still like in touch with that whole like group um, and we like meet every now and then. And, um, it's kind of like, a a nice little part, like group to be a part of. Um, and more recently, Nathan, who runs the record machine started, uh, this series called sound machine. Mm. You've heard of those, I'm sure. Um, cause I know I've seen you at those shows before. Um, and that's been like a cool concert series to, to see evolve, um, and bring in some interesting acts and names. And I've been shooting most of those shoes, shows for him too. Nice. Yeah. yeah, so are, are there any, like, I'm sure, like, if anyone asked me this question, I would just have no idea, but, like, are there any, like, shows that come to mind for you, like, that really stand out f- for just stuff that you've shot? Yeah, um, I feel like I get asked that question a lot. Yeah. Do you get asked that question a lot? Um, well, I haven't done a ton of interviews recently, but I'm sure if I was, I would yeah. be getting asked that, yeah. Or even <laughs> just, like, in conversation, people would be like, oh, it's the coolest show that you've ever shot. And I'm yeah. like, oh, God, I don't know. Like, M- maybe I should, like, write a few down just so I'm I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was So I was thinking about that before I came over here, because I was like, I feel like that's definitely a question that's going to be asked, yeah. um, just because it always comes up. And... Yeah, my, I think my favorite show that I've shot, and it was more of a festival and a show, but it was Pitchfork Music Festival in Chicago. Um, just, like, an incredible lineup of artists and, like, a really, really beautiful, like, well-lit festival. So, like, everything on stage was, like, really easy to no, capture. No, yeah, shooting outdoors is always Yeah, it feels great. so nice. And, like, I've shot at outdoor festivals where, like, the stage will be, like, backlit the entire time. But I don't know if they, like, intentionally engineered this or if this is just, like, how all the stages laid out, but, like, it never felt like that. Like, mm. when the sun was going down, it was hitting artists, like, really well. And um, and that's, like, really, really important in terms of, uh, like, festival photography because a lot of times those are outdoor stages playing from, like, you know, 1 p.m. until, like, 10, 11, 12 at night. Um, you'll get, like, a lot of different variants in light. Um, from that like high, like midday sun all the way to like the, the sunset. Um, but yeah, all the stages always looked really, really well lit. Um, and if like the sun was going down behind them, they had like, you know, something up in the background so that it wasn't like shining directly through, mm-hmm. um, and backlighting the artists slash into the crowd spaces, you know? Mm-hmm. No, and I think I remember you posting, well, I know you posted a ton of photos from that, but I think you shot Vince Staples there. Yeah, or was that a different yeah, day? yeah, yeah. Um, I love shooting Vince Staples. That was the the second time I had gotten to shoot him because I also covered his show when he came and played at the Granada in February. Mm. Um, yeah, incredible artist. He 
carries so much expression on his face. Um, and he goes through these, like between these moments of like total stillness and then a lot of like really physical activity, um, where he's like running around and dancing. Um, so he's a lot of, he's a lot of fun cause he's very energetic and still someone that like is still photogenic. Mm. Um, cause sometimes those two things like don't always go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and like, even on the topic of like festival photography, like I've only shot like one or two outdoor festivals really, but like, at, like when you are, yeah, you were talking about like how the sun changes over the course of the day and just all these different variables. And like, I, I guess that like even like festival photography is just like a whole other like beast of like, n- rather than just concert photography when, yeah. Like, yeah. So, and it's, it comes with these like different challenges too, right? Because you're like shooting from 1 PM until, you know, like I said, like 10, 11, 12 at night. Mm. So you've got to like make sure all of your batteries are charged. Like, Make sure you have enough SD cards. Maybe bring your laptop so you can be dumping things and kind of like doing some editing on the go. Yeah. Um, and like while also trying to drink water and not die. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Like taking care of yourself and staying like healthy and making sure you have earplugs and running through these like massive crowds of people to get from one stage to another stage that can be like anywhere from, you know, a few hundred feet to like a mile away from each other, depending yeah. on the festival. Oh, yeah. I, I'd been to Warp Tour like a bunch of years, mm-hmm. like as a teenager, but I actually shot it for the first time this year. Oh, cool. and like I, I, I made it out. Like I, I saw the bands I wanted to see. I got good shots. Mm-hmm. I drank water, but I definitely did get like my first sunburn in several years. <laughs> yeah. Like that was just yeah. the one thing I forgot. But yeah, you always got to wear that sunscreen or mm-hmm. find the shade. But I don't know that. Because the Warped Tour here, is, was it here? Did you shoot the one at Providence? Yeah. Yeah, not a very forgiving place. There's, like, very little shade in, yeah. that, in that venue. No, there's there's that little corner by the main stage that has, like, three trees in it, and I was, I was hanging out there for a while. That was yeah. nice. But. Yeah, but most of the shows are at night, so it's probably, like, not usually a huge issue there. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, festival photography, fun times. Hmm. Drink a lot of water. Stay alive. Pro tips. <laughs> Anna. Um... So yeah, you've also uh, was you you launched here queer was mm-hmm. that late late last year or yeah early this like year? June June of twenty seventeen mm-hmm. so just about like four months ago five months ago I guess is when that would be um, yeah that was something that happened this year and that's been um, a really cool and unique challenge in terms of um, having gone from working for a music publication to like kind of running a music publication, but it's a very like specialized kind of publication. So whereas a lot of publications and I don't know how many more times I can say publication in the next like minute and a half, but I'm going to try to break my own record. Um, a lot of publications, you could switch it up, you could say outlet, you could, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, media sources. Um, a lot of those like magazines and stuff are like covering kind of like a huge scene of music. Um, but we were like really, you know, it's, it's called here queer. Um, so we're focusing on queer identifying musicians and we're releasing this like monthly kind of publication, um, like a zine print, print little thing. Um, tried not to say publication again there. Uh, but, um, it's been, it's been cool because that has given me like an outlet to really talk about, um, and write about and like get to know musicians who are queer identifying, um, and really focus some of my writing and, um, on that specific topic. Um, but then also to write about musicians that I just really like and admire who are queer identifying, um, without really like any 
recognition, like really talking about that. Cause like I've done a couple pieces where that's really not been a highlight of, um, the story at all. Um, but it just happens to be like a a queer artist. And I think that's like been a, a fun thing to get to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so specialized that it's very different from like working for a more general music magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in this case, it's like something that I'm doing on my own um, in terms of like, I've got other people who are working with me, but as like an editor, like I don't, it's I'm not like I have someone to report to you or someone who's like assigning me things. I kind of have to like go out and figure it out myself, yeah. um, which has given me a lot of appreciation for the editors that I've worked with um, and how hard they've had to work to like make connections with people um, and PR PR companies who represent these artists and are kind of like the gatekeepers to whether or not you have access to shows and interviews and things like that. Mm. Um, and how important it is to like sustain healthy and positive relationships with those people. Um, even if um, they don't always give you the most positive feedback or the answer that you're looking for. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what that has looked like from the side of like, um, someone who works in music and media and is like launching something on their own, which I'm sure you are very familiar with having run shuttlecock music magazine for a couple of years now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you, you mentioned like not every like piece that you're doing on these artists, like you're not like going in depth and talking about their sexuality all mm-hmm. the time. And I think that is like kind of an interesting, um, situation that you kind of get put in as an editor. Cause like, I don't know, like, as as like someone who's like straight and straight white male cis, um, right, yeah. like I do my like I don't like I feel like I almost never end up um, mentioning if an artist is like like LGBT or like any like other kind of mm-hmm. group like that because like I I, I don't want to tokenize them but like if they make yeah, it a big part totally. of their art I definitely do mention it and kind of dissect it how how i can but like i get i think that is like a a strange situation you can be put in as an editor yeah totally um and i i think there's like a time and place for that kind of conversation with an artist right like um musicians are musicians and like if they're queer identifying musicians then like yeah it's cool to occasionally like touch on that topic Mm -hmm. um if they want to talk about it and that's something that they feel like informs their music or their understanding of the world, um, in a way that's like really compelling. Um, but at the same time, like it isn't always that case. And especially like, yeah, if you're covering a show that's coming through Kansas city, um, and the musician happens to be queer identifying, but like, that's not really part of their music or, um, their presence on stage, then like, yeah, why, why would you focus on that as opposed to just like them being a really cool musician? Yeah. Yeah. And like, like and even like the extent of like being an ally or whatever like mm-hmm. i think like really as as someone who's not lgbt i think like just giving the exposure in the first place is really like often the best thing you can do it unless yeah, they're making true. it a, a big part of their art yeah i think that's true of any band especially bands that are like not picked up as quickly in the mainstream mm. um to to yeah, just give them that platform and that outlet um, to to reach more people can be really cool and powerful. Mm-hmm. If it's yeah, again, something that they're like into doing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So how how long had you kind of been like thinking about launching this and like conceptualizing all like what you wanted it to be? Yeah, so we kind of um, I met with my friend Bill, who is like my he's like the business partner side of here queer. So whereas like I'm 
kind of curating more of the content. He does the things like make sure that when we make money, uh, we pay taxes and are like registered LLC and things like that that are like kind of important in the eyes of uh, the government and the law and making sure that we like don't get sued, um, that kind of thing, um, or end up paying like hundreds of dollars in back taxes. Um, but when we kind of sat down to talk about it, um, we were both in this place. It was like right after the 2016 election and like, there's just, just so much negative rhetoric, um, in the media and especially a lot of like queer people that we knew were talking about how they like didn't feel safe or comfortable and they didn't, they like felt very scared for the first time, um, in a long time in a really real and tangible way about like what might happen, um, in our country in the next few years. And we like really didn't know like what we could bring to the table to like create a positive message, um, like directly related to that, but we both really love music and we both love Kansas city and kind of came up with a, originally an idea to do like a festival, like a small one day festival that would be like all queer identifying LGBTQ, um, artists and got into the planning stages of that and realized like we just didn't have the resources to make that happen. Um, financially it's like super expensive to, uh, to launch a festival. And whereas like we could have like spent all of this money that we, we had on putting together like this thing for one day, we decided that it might've been like a better idea to do something that could like have more of a rolling lasting kind of, um, kind of influence. Um, so that's how we came up with the idea of doing this publication that came out with showcases where we'd have a couple artists play every, you know, three or four months, um, along with the release of a zine that, um, kind of gave them an outlet to just talk about their music, um, and, and to be introduced to other, other people and other fans potentially, um, and have like a place that felt maybe safe to discuss being what it's like to be a queer artist, but not be, you know, on the other side of that, have an editor who's not queer and and doesn't know like what that experience can feel like. Um, and I mean like not every, you know, obviously no two people experience life the same way. So, um, it's, it's been really interesting to talk to different people and, and filter through like how, how these different artists um, feel about that part of their identity, whether it's something that they feel like really informs their art or not, um, and how there are other parts of their identity that like are equally as important to them um, and, and have that, that conversation with them. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like where the idea came from. And I, I think we're both really happy and excited with like how that's come into being um, and, and where that's potentially headed for the the future too Hmm. yeah and like on the subject of like actually having like an editor who's lgbt and like talking to artists who are like like as important as like like it's better to have like documentation and like reporting on artists it's like it's better to have it than to not have it at all Mm -hmm. like like you don't want to read like if if you could like you wouldn't want to read a white guy's take on every hip hop artist ever like right yeah. if, if 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 there's only one person writing it then sure like i guess that's cool but you know like you kind of want that perspective of someone who like is more likely to understand the artist i guess yeah and then like on the flip side of that obviously like i think we're all super aware of like you know privilege and how that exists and yep. that like traditionally a lot of music writers were like straight white men and it's been cool to see that changing a lot in the last few years um and to be able to read a lot of really good music writing that's coming from people who 
aren't that, um, and just to get a varied perspective. Um, so I think that's true of like all publications. It, it's great to see like how many more people are having access to that kind of like place mm. in, in music, uh, to be both like writers and photographers. Um, when I went to Pitchfork, I like noticed that pretty much every photographer there that was over the age of 40 was like a white man. And then like every photographer that was like 30 or under was like mostly not a white man. Um, so it's cool to see that like, there's like a much more diverse generation of people who, um, are bringing these like different life experiences and different understandings of the world to conversations about music. Um, and the way that's represented, I think is a really interesting and really powerful change that's mm. happened in the last couple of years that I've, I've noticed. I don't know if you feel like you're noticing that as well. Oh yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. Like, and like, there's definitely like one or two other, like even like Kansas city area, like music bloggers, but I feel like everyone outside of that, like every, everyone new that has emerged in like the last couple of years has been, something other than a straight white male. So that, that is, it's, it's, yeah, it only improves the, mm-hmm. the coverage. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with like, um, the, the different ways that people have access to like, to writing mm-hmm. and, um, posting their work, you know? Cause like back in the day, if you were getting into writing like 10 or 20 years ago, it was because you probably went to school for it and then got a job working at like a print publication. And, you know, those tended to have been like very, um, like privilege and gender things to be able to do yeah. like going to school, like going to college is a very like privileged thing to be able to do. Um, and not everyone has the financial resources to, to, to do that obviously. Um, so to have like these ways of getting into, to writing that are more open to anyone who has even just like a smartphone and can like type something out and send it off to the internet or to an editor or something is like, is, is pretty cool. I think like, there's just more accessibility to that. Mm-hmm. And also going back to what you'd said before, um, what was, what was I going to say? Um, oh yeah. So, uh, you decide, you kind of like decide you want to do the publication after, uh, the election and everything. And instead of doing a festival mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. I think that, that that was kind of a big idea that was like being passed around a lot like post election like everyone kind of like agreed that like yeah you can't be like out in the street protesting every day like that's very difficult to mm-hmm. do but like what you can do is use the talents and interests that you have and use it for hopefully like to cause a positive change and yeah. help out those who need it. So, yeah, totally. Um, and something that we've been able to do with the publication too, because neither Bill or I are like relying on this as like a form of income, mm. um, in any way. So like the, the money, like the, the profits that we make from the zine, we're able to like donate to organizations that are like working for, um, LGBTQ people here in KC on a national level. Um, and that's been something that I'm like, that's, that's been really important to me. Um, and that if we're going to be a publication that's talking about like these, these things that we're also somehow like being a positive, um, doing something like positive in our community outside of that as well. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think, um, so yeah, you're doing the, you have on, the online edition and mm-hmm. you also have the print issues mm-hmm. and you just put out the second one. Yeah. The second print issue just came out, um, on November 10th. Mm-hmm. So we had a show at, at Mills with, um, Yana and a band called the black creatures. 
totally incredible performers um, that like I don't think have gotten the recognition that they deserve in Kansas City yet. So if you're listening to this and you haven't heard of them, like check them out. Um, they're doing some some really crazy, beautiful things with like the energy that they create in their shows um, and the music that they're making. Mm. Yeah. And I think you you got the issues printed at Oddities too. Yeah, so shout out to uh, Oddities. I love uh, I love them. They're a really great uh, a great print shop. Just like the work that they do, but they're also just like good people. Yeah, and, and Jordan's design and Danny's work and everything. That's just mm-hmm. crazy. And yeah, they 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 printed the first shuttlecock photos the United. So oh nice. Shout out to them. Yeah. I think I'm gonna do a second one coming up here soon. Cool, cool. And uh, yeah, so. Like, you, you've been running this, like, since the summer, I guess, so, like, mm-hmm. you're still kind of getting in the swing of things, I guess, but ha- have there been any, like, connections or, like, memories so far that have really stuck out to you, like, with, like, people, like, giving you feedback on your work or, like, just being excited about anything you're doing? Yeah, totally. Um, I think, so I work alongside a designer named um, Kevin Brighty, who's in the band's mess, mm-hmm. um, and having that partnership has been has challenged me in a lot of ways. Um, cause Kevin is someone who really takes everything that he does very seriously. Like he sees the work that he does as art and as a craft, like everything that he does. Um, and so to work alongside him, it has given me a lot more, I don't know. I think it can be really easy to like, think like, all right, well, I'm just making this thing. It doesn't really matter if it's that great. Like I'm just doing the best that I can, but Kevin's like, no, it really needs to be, this level of quality of content. Um, and so he just like pushes me a lot farther in what I'm able to do. Um, and the stuff that, that we're creating together is, is really cool. And I'm really, really proud of that. Um, and then kind of like just a fun anecdote was, uh, you know, Julian Baker. Yeah. Yeah. So she played a show in Lawrence, um, a few months ago in August and we covered it as like an online piece, um, did like a gallery and, and live review of the show and I was just like hanging out in Lawrence and I actually had made a connection with, um, a shop called wonder fair there. Yeah. Um, and they sell zines. So I had brought in like a handful of my zines to sell to them. Um, and like lo and behold at the counter was like Julian Baker checking out, like she had bought something. Um, and so I brought like the zines up to the counter and the person who owns the store was like, Oh, you two should meet because like queer music zine, Julian Baker, like, you, you two should definitely connect. And Julian was like, oh, yeah, you guys are covering the show tonight, aren't you? And I was like, this is blowing my mind right now. Like, uh, this musician whose work I really, really admire, um, just, like, randomly running into her somewhere and, like, having that conversation. And, yeah, she's she was so, so kind. Um, and just released, like, an incredible album um, this, this past month, too. So check that out. Shout out to Julian Baker. Yeah, uh, it's called Turn Off the Lights. Yeah, yeah, Turn Out the Lights. Turn Out the Lights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that was that was yeah, that was an awesome show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, I saw you there. That's oh, right. Yeah. I remember that now. No, yeah, she, dude, she can like just carry a show all yeah, by herself. On, it's crazy on her own. And I'm interested to see when she she's touring now with um with that album. And there's a lot more instrumentation mm-hmm. on that than on on some of her first works. Um, so I'm interested to see how her show differs now that she's playing these songs that have like a lot more layered instrumentation to them. Um, and I haven't, I think she, she plays with more of a band now than she used mm. to. So it'll be an interesting thing to see. She's coming through St. Louis 
and December, I think. I'm going to try to make it to that road show. trip, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try to. We'll see. Oh, yeah. You're, you're pretty good about, like, getting out of town some weekends. Like, I feel like I, I can do, like, one or two, like, out-of-town out of gigs here. But, like, you went mm-hmm. to Omaha for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, uh, Maha Music Festival. Mm. Yeah. And um, I, we also went up to Omaha to cover a JSOM show. Um, yeah, I like to get out of Kansas City. Um, I love Kansas City. Um, and I really like being from here, and it's, like, a really affordable place to live and also be able to travel, which is one thing that I really like about living in Kansas City. Um, but it's cool to get out and to see shows that aren't coming through town because there are a lot of artists that just don't stop here. Yeah. Um, they'll pick an Omaha or Lawrence, or they'll just do, like, the Chicago in the Midwest. Um, so it's imp- I think it's been important for me as someone who's, like, writing about music and, and photographing music to take those opportunities when... I can, like I can't always, but, um, to, to get out of, out of Kansas city and see some other acts as well. Um, and then just to like see how music scenes look in other towns and communities, um, as well. Um, if there are like a lot of people at a show where I feel like there wouldn't be anyone at a show in Kansas city, um, what the energy is like, um, what their festivals are like, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. And I guess like I'm, like, this is kind of a dumb question, I feel like, but it's, like, a question that an editor would have for another editor. Yeah. But, like, have there been moments where, like, you're listening to an artist or, like, you see a video or something and you're, like, are they are they LGBT? Like, Oh, yeah. And, and you, like, you do some research and you're, like, should I ask? Like, yeah. have there been any of, the, any of those moments for you? Um, sort of. I, mostly, like, the artists that I have tried to connect with have um already like discussed that Mm. in some way i like don't think it's my place ever to like ask someone what their identity is. oh yeah like if if they're not like out right yeah for a couple of reasons and not the least of which is that like if they are but not out i like don't want to put them in that position ever um to have to answer that question to someone who is probably a stranger um but also because i just like it's just not if they're not at that place in their journey yet then then they're not and that's that's totally fine yeah um no and and so like yeah occasionally someone will say like oh i heard of this cool band and i think they're queer identifying you should check them out mm. i usually just like totally ignore those comments because i'm like i i really appreciate that uh people are like wanting to send me music recommendations and, and new bands to check out like just in general mm. i love that um especially when it relates back to, like, here queer and people wanting me to, like, check in and see if I could potentially cover a band. Um, it's, like, really heartwarming. But I also know that it's, like, if if I don't know for sure, like, I'm definitely not going to yeah. approach a band about playing a show or um, being interviewed or anything like that. But a lot of bands are, like, really embracing that side of their identity and, mm. like, wanting to talk about it, it sounds like. Yeah, I'm sure and you probably even get, like, people reach out to you. and Yeah, every now and then like I it. have um, about doing some stuff, which is really, really cool. Hmm. And, um, but yeah, how, how did you meet um, Kevin and Bill, like the guys on your staff? Yeah, so um, Bill and I met through my girlfriend, Rachel. He uh, used to work with her at Bunker in, in Westport. Hmm. Um, neither of them work there anymore, but... Um, that's how that's how we met and then Kevin I just met mostly through the music scene actually I think uh we met in person for the first time because he designed a poster for 
Afentra's VD party last year, um, and he posted online that, and we were like Facebook friends at the time, um, that he could donate, or he was asked to donate um, the money they made from selling the poster to like a local or like any nonprofit, mm. but he really wanted to do something for like a local nonprofit um, because he wanted to feel like that had like an impact directly on like his community. And, and there's, I think something to be said about like local nonprofits having like a lot of impact on like specific people um, and knowing how that money's being used feels like really, really good. Yep. Um, I definitely support like um, donating to like local organizations that you're like really connected to. Um, and, can like kind of see the tangible impact that organization is making in your community. Um, so I had listed off like, you know, five or six local organizations that I knew. Um, and he ended up picking one of those to be the the organization that he donated to. Um, so at the show, I just was like, I saw him walking around and like recognized him from social media and wanted to of course like say, Hey, and thank you for, you know, donating to the Pell project. Um, and that was actually, I think a free show. So, the Pell Project, um, this organization, uh, is something that a coworker of mine runs, and it's a scholarship program for um, undocumented high school students in Kansas City. So he came to the show with me, and I like had the chance to introduce them, um, and that, that was like a cool, um, cool interaction. And that was kind of like how we initially met in person, um, and then eventually, you know, we just kept running into each other at shows and his band mess started playing more, um, more shows in Kansas city. And then a friend of mine started managing them. So like, it's just that like small community where, um, in Kansas city, there are only, you know, so many bands playing and so many venues. And eventually you're going to like meet everyone. It Mm. feels like, um, and you kind of find those people that are like into similar music that you are and, um, you get to know them. And if there's some way or some, um, you know, you really have like a good, strong like connection to uh eventually like you become friends you know yeah and there's it's like those moments like like i guess like being at the that buzz show and like getting your friend to meet kevin Mm -hmm. and like you're all kind of connecting over like local music and like non-profit work like i i get super excited about moments Mm -hmm. like those it's like oh man like all local everything like my friends are doing cool stuff i'm doing cool stuff this is great and that's that's, yeah, totally. I don't know. I think that's an important thing that can, like, motivate a lot of people. And I don't know. Yeah, especially, like, to do good in, in the community um, and to, to feel invested in, like, making um, positive things in Kansas City, whether that's, you know, art or if you're, like, dedicated to, like, nonprofit work or whatever it might be, but to, to be really invested in, like, Kansas City and, and what we're all doing here. Mm. Okay, so I think there's a few quick things I wanted to hit. Yeah. Um, you were selected for Inks 30 oh, Under 30. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> were, were, you, were you stoked on that? Is that something? Yeah, yeah? that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt a little, like, premature to me. I was like, give me a few more years, and, like, <laughs> I think I would make a lot more sense for this list. But I, I guess, you know, the people on the, the committee um, felt like some of the stuff that I was doing was, like, worth talking about right now, um, which I was, I was really really excited about and very like thankful and honored that they like wanted me to be a part of that group. Um, especially seeing what some of the other people in that group are doing, uh, in Kansas city. It was a really interesting and a cool kind of eclectic mix of experiences and, um, and like, um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
engagement in the community here, mm. um, which is like what you know, everyone on that list is like really engaged in Kansas City and somehow and doing something for um, for our town. Um, but it was a, a pretty like wide variety of people. So um, yeah, that was cool to to be a part of, and I was I was pleased, very surprised, but pleased to be mm. to be on that list. Yeah, and uh, so are there any? Like, at least that you want to talk about. Are there any, like, big goals that you have for Here Queer and stuff that you have? Like, any projects that you're working on? Yeah, I think the biggest goal for Here Queer is to just, like, um, hopefully in the next year or two bring, like, a touring act for one of our showcases um, and maybe do, like, a bigger show at a venue um, where, like, we can bring someone in and like sponsor that show um that someone who might not have like normally come through Kansas City um that would be a big a big goal of ours and to just see like our our publication um syndication not syndication what's the word I'm looking for readership Hmm. expand I guess yeah I think that's like anyone's goal when they're running a a magazine or publication they just want to be able to reach more people for sure and what else do I have? Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I guess if you just want to do like a like a a lightning round, like what sure. uh, LGBTQ musicians in Kansas City should people know about? Uh, like, definitely the, the people that we've covered so far. Mm-hmm. So the Black Creatures in Yana um, played this last showcase. Incredible, incredible musicians. Um, I always have to like make a plug for my girlfriend, and I would do that even if she wasn't my girlfriend. She makes really good music. That's Rachel Mallon from Rachel Mallon the Wild Type. Um, Erica Joy has played one of our showcases before. Beautiful, beautiful voice, um, and I like always love running into Erica because we have like great conversations about gender, um, both like gender performance and gender identity and, and representation and that sort of thing. Um, and then, who else? Um, Mess fronted by um, an LGBTQ person incredible band um just a very very um unique sound in kansas city i think um who else i don't know there there are so many um ivory black i've seen play a few times um uh, this band called lover girl is really good i could like go on and on but you know hopefully they'll all be like in the in the zine at some no, point yeah, playing they'll, a show at some point they'll be on the site they'll be yeah. at the shows yeah totally and I think that's most of what I have. Um, so people can follow at Shuttlecock Mag and visit shuttlecockmusic.com. And uh, we have T-shirts and buttons on the store there if you want to support the site and the podcast. You su- can subscribe on U- YouTube and iTunes, rate and review the show, and share the episodes you like. Uh, where can people find you and Hear Queer online? Yeah, totally. Um, so here-queer.com is our website. Um, we'll, we'll have like newer content posted there um, periodically. And then we also have like a, a web store where you can find copies of the zine. We're also being distributed at a few places around town. Um, and we post about that pretty regularly on our social media too. So that's just Hear Queer, H-E-A-R. Um, there's some confusions with yeah. the... Uh, homonym of the word here um so yeah you can check us out online and then uh you can find me on social media just by searching my name i think mostly works anna selly my username is mannerisms on instagram and twitter um yeah and then playlist play is where i do a lot of work as well so you can find them 
pretty much everywhere by looking up playlist play, all one word. There are like no other playlist plays out there, so yeah, it's good, easy enough to find. Awesome. Well, uh, I appreciate you coming yeah. to hang out. And Thanks so much show. for inviting me. I got to meet a couple cool animals, so that's oh, always yeah, like a great way to spend a Sunday. Wandering around afternoon. here. Yeah, totally. Thanks awesome. so much. Yeah, no problem.